My name's Steve Tibber. I'm the senior pastor of Kings. I've led the church here for approaching 20 years. Uh, depending on what side you're on, this is my better looking side. If you're over there, this is, okay? Just depending on your perspective. Um, and I love preaching on uh, Easter Sunday because Easter Sunday, we celebrate this every week that Jesus is risen from the dead, by the way, you know, so you're welcome every week. But um, what I love about Easter Day is we really do focus in on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that he is, uh, he's, he's alive, he's real. And I love speaking on Easter Sunday because it so connects with my own journey. As a young man, um, what happened was uh, a friend of mine got killed on a motorbike accident and I went to the funeral and at the funeral I said to God, I'll give you a chance, which is a bit of an arrogant thing for a young guy to say to the, the Almighty, but God's gracious and he took his chance. And I investigated Christianity at some length. I thought if I'm going to give my life to something, I want to make sure I know what I'm doing here. I've only got one of these lives. Uh, and so I looked closely at the claims of Jesus and the Christian faith and concluded that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's what I did. Six to nine months, I concluded. In fact, I got to the point where I felt the factual information was, if you look really closely at it yourself, rather than hearsay, just look at it yourself. I got to a point where I was convinced it was more likely he was raised from the dead than he wasn't. At that point, I took a, faith, a step of faith and then experienced God. And it moved from a kind of intellectual analysis to an experience of God. And that's why I just love preaching on Easter, Easter Resurrection Day. Because it sort of connects with my own journey. I hope that resonates with a few of you here. Um, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been waiting for news? Have you ever been in a, a, a situation where you are you're waiting for news? Maybe you've applied for a job and you've gone for the interview and you're waiting for that phone call. Have you ever been in that situation where you're waiting for the phone call? You've gone for a job, you really want it, you think the interview's gone okay. The phone goes and you know it's going to go one or two ways. It's either going to go, hi, uh, well, thanks for your time, you did really well, but, yeah. Or it's going to go, oh, we're delighted, we'd like to offer you the job. And they just think the news comes through and you're delighted to get the news. Um, have, uh, what about if you've ever been waiting for exam results? Can you, can you remember waiting for exam results? And you do your exams and then you're waiting. You're, when back in my day, it was O-levels and then A-levels and degrees. I never got further than the O-levels. In fact, what happened with my exam results, I did my exams, didn't really work very hard. Uh, I was asleep. My mum came in with the post and said, here's your exam results, Steve. I literally opened them up, failed all of them, put it down and went back to sleep. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not commending it. I'm not modelling it. But it is the truth. Okay. Uh, and I learned a lesson. You reap what you sow in life. Yeah, you really do. So anyway. Um, but maybe you want to get a 2-1 because you think if I can get a good degree, that'll help me in my career. Very important. That's what I tell my boys now. Anyway. But dad, you ain't got any exams. Yeah, I know. But don't follow me. Uh, just, just follow your mother. Um... She used to sit at the front of row and things like that. I was always at the back row. Maybe you're waiting for news to do with health. Maybe you know something's just not right and you're undergoing tests. You know, you've 
you ever had a blood test and you, you're, you're waiting for the result or something like that, you're not sure of what news is coming, whether it's going to be good news or bad news. Um, have you ever been the person that has carried news? Have you ever taken good news or bad news to someone? Uh, I mean, if you're an employer, um, my background before I was a pastor, I was in business, was that you'd have in a situation where you were dealing with people and they'd be, they really want the job. I remember interviewing people, going through the CV, and then you'd say yes to one, and they were like, oh, fantastic, and no to a lot of people. And it wasn't fun carrying bad news. It's great to be able to carry good news. It was early on the Sunday morning. The Sabbath was over. The Sabbath is a Saturday. And the shock of Friday... And the pain of Friday's events was still present and raw. Mary and Mary and Salome got up early to visit the place of burial, to place spices on the body, as was the tradition, to honour the dead, but also for very practical reasons, because of the smell of decay. But because uh, Jesus' death had been so late on the Friday and the Sabbath had come, Uh, there was just a day where Jesus was in the tomb. And so on the Sunday morning, the women, three of them, got up early to go to the tomb. And they wondered to themselves, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get the spices on Jesus' body? Because how are we going to roll the stone away? So when they arrived, they were shocked and surprised that the stone had been rolled away. And they entered... And a young man dressed in white was sitting on the right. And he said to them, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. They were alarmed. And he said, don't be alarmed. Let's pick it up in Mark 16. Mark's account of the resurrection of Jesus. Just a few verses. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. I like those phrases. I want you to know. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. The first preachers, the first proclaimers, the first tellers of the gospel were these three women. They were told to go and tell. Go and tell this message. He is not. Buried and dead. He is buried, but he is alive. He is risen. He is not here. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. That is the the title of this message. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. That phrase comes from... Uh, the book of Isaiah. It's actually in the verses of Isaiah 52. I'm going to read it in a moment. But let me just set it in context for you. Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ came. So as we read these verses, remember these are 700 years before Jesus comes. You can see how the remarkable parallels between what's written 700 years before are fulfilled in Christ. In fact, one of the uh, strongest pieces of evidence that Jesus is who he said he was, and he really did die and was raised from the dead, is the fulfillment of prophetic promise. 
Over 300 Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in Christ. Things like where he was born. It's very difficult to organize where you're born, did you know? And um, so he fulfilled many Old Testament prophecies that God had a plan. God had a salvation plan and it's fulfilled in this person, Jesus. It's at a time of post-exile. So what's happened in the people of Israel, they have... Um, turned away from God, and God has brought judgment on them, and therefore the Babylonians have come in, and uh, Jerusalem has been ransacked, and the elite of the Israelites have been taken away into exile. That's the context. In fact, Isaiah 1 to 39 talks, the prophet Isaiah speaks into uh, pre-exile, Post-exile, Isaiah speaks again, and at this point he speaks with hope, and he lifts the eyes of God's people that God will move again. Now think that Jerusalem is in ruins, uh, all the leaders are in exile. It's not a great point in Israel's history. It's a low point, okay? It's exile. It's, you know, the Old Testament you can summarize in two E's, exodus and exile, okay? This is an exile moment. This is not good. And um, it's at that moment that God speaks again, and this is what he says, how beautiful on the mount, mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, you watchmen, lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Great prophetic uh, promise. Now what we have here is really a picture of... um, Behind the phrase, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news, is a picture of a runner. Okay, now remember, the, the nation has been at war, and so therefore it's, it's really read through the experience that's just happened to the people of God. And then they have watchmen. Okay, now you have to think Lord of the Rings at this moment, you know, on the parapets. Okay, so they, on, on the big cities, they'd have watchmen that were looking out, and they're looking out for a runner that's going to come over the hill or the mountain. And the runner is coming from the battlefront. And of course, this is before the time of there's no TV, there's no texting, there's no internet, there's no tweeting, there's no Facebook. And so there's, I don't know if there's even carrier pigeons, okay? I mean, there is no message from the, the battlefront. Now, you are interested to hear news from the battlefront because your sons and your husbands have gone to the battlefront. And you know that Either across the mountaintop is a runner that's coming with good news or he's coming with bad news. You are interested. And so you're up there. The watchmen up there, they've got their telescopes and they're up there and they are looking to see the runner. Is he going to come with good news or bad news? Good news is victory for God's people. Bad news is defeat. It means your loved ones are dead. And even worse than that, the enemy is coming close. I mean, you, you are up. You're watchmen. You're looking. I'll tell you, if I was a watchman, I'd be looking. And as I saw someone in the distance coming, I think to myself, I want to read their body language. Yeah? I want to see how they're coming over that mountain. They're coming like this, you know. Oh, no. You know, I'm thinking, oh, this is, doesn't look like good news at all. Or they come with a spring in their step. Hey, th- th- yeah, they come out. Are they like 
good news. God's, God has won. God has got a victory. Where you have safety. That is the picture behind the phrase, how beautiful it is of those that bring good news. Now, I don't know what battles you face in your life. Um, I mean, we're fortunate. We're fortunate in our nation. We're not expecting the Babylonians or anyone particularly to rush into London over the next few months. We're not living with that. But, you know, there are Christians all over the world that are living with that as a reality, that their life is at stake because they're a Christian. Yeah? In many nations, in troubled times in the earth. Our battles are more subtle, aren't they? Our battles come with things like pressure at work or no work or pressures of debt where we haven't handled our money well or things have just gone bad for us or pressures of relationships and breakdown and the pain that that causes. Or, yeah, the real issues of illness or, or, or loss or, or, or our battles with alcohol, whatever it is for you. And we have these. These are the challenges of life. And God can be with you in them, but they are real. But really, they're not the fundamental questions of life. The fundamental questions, the more kind of foundational questions, the real battles we face are things like, is God real? What happens to me after death? What happens to all the stuff and the brokenness and the shame and the pain and the sin in my life? How's that dealt with? Is there a judgment? Yeah. There is a judgment. I believe there's judgment just because there needs to be justice on the earth. Some people say, well, why does this stuff all go on? And things like that. I tell you, there, there will be justice. It, it will just be at the end. Yeah. And at that point, you need someone to atone for you, the stuff you've mucked up with. Which is, that's why Jesus' death is called the atonement. It's to someone to atone for your stuff. So we face battles and we face presenting issues. But I want to I say there are bigger issues. There are bigger questions under the surface. And it is in the context of Isaiah 52, this remarkable link, 700 years before Jesus comes, is that this prophetic promise of a Messiah that comes. As one commentator put it, how fitting this is just prior to the fourth servant song. That's Isaiah 52, in which the suffering of God's servant are described and their significance expounded in Isaiah 53. If you're a Christian here, there will be familiar verses, but let them resonate with you again, freshly today. If you're not a Christian, but you're seeking God, or you're just trying to work out, is this really true? Then just think, 700 years, 52 leads into 53, and it says this, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hide their faces he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. I mean, who does that describe? I mean, it's Jesus. It's Jesus' death on the cross, atoning for the sin of the world. And that's why Isaiah 52 writes... 
that this salvation brings a number of things. It brings peace. So, in its context, literally, peace. That means an end to war and the threat of war. My dad grew up in southeast London. When he was seven, he tells a story that my grandma Alice, who lived in South Norwood, went up to central London to celebrate VE Day. He said, he said to me, he said, I don't really know what was going on. He was seven. He said, but man, there was a party in the city. And my mum said, we should go up because this is a historic day. What a day when peace comes. It's a peace from the threat of war. Well, you can have peace with God today. You can be reconciled with God today. Yeah? Be certain of your, your future. Be forgiven of your past. There is peace available in Christ. As good tidings or good news. This means literally no bad news to mar the report. So you know when you get a report you think, is there a but here? And so this is no, uh, there's no catch. In fact, later on in this uh, meeting, in just in about 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to give anyone here an opportunity to become a Christian today if they've never made that step of faith. And I want to tell you, that it's, it's going to cost you nothing, yeah, and at the same time cost you everything. Okay? It's going to cost you nothing because you cannot earn your own salvation. You just can't do it. You can't do it through your good works. You can't do it through ritual. You can't even do it being um, a religious. You can't even have a kind of fallback plan. I'll come to church occasionally just to make sure that if I get there, it's not going to work. I'll tell you, the only way it works is this. It's a free gift. The good news is that good. All you have to do is admit you need God and he will save you. He is that gracious. But at the same time, it'll cost you everything. Because he's Savior and Lord. And he wants your whole life. And he wants you, as the scriptures, to pick up your cross daily and follow him. And so it's totally free. Yeah? But it'll cost you everything. Because thirdly, God provides salvation, which literally in its context meant the power of the oppressor has been broken and those in bondage released. And therefore, the salvation of God brings forgiveness. It, it conquers death and it deals with judgment. And then fourthly, the scripture says, And your God reigns, and all the earth will see the salvation of your God. All the earth will see the salvation of your God. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And uh, this is where we get a, a, a kind of touch on salvation history. That the God of creation, the God of covenant to Abraham, the God of I will make a people out of Exodus, um, and he gathers, then judgment comes, and you think, oh, gosh, Jerusalem is overrun. Well, has God given up on his plan? And then a prophet speaks and says, there, there will come a day, I'll tell you, there's good news coming. And then it goes 700 years, Jesus comes, and then three women go to a tomb and discover he is risen. And they go and tell. And the gospel just explodes all over the earth. It just, over the known earth, the gospel within a generation just goes, it goes wherever people are. So from three women, actually within a generation, within 30, 25, 30 years, the gospel has gone to the known world. And it's even ended up in the capital city of of the Roman Empire, Rome. That's what happens Uh, And the book of Acts summarizes the first sort of 30 years of the life of the New Testament church. 
from this handful of believers that are scattered. Okay, their leader crucified, dead. I mean, come on, that's the end of the story, surely, unless he's risen. And if he's risen, he's alive. He's God. And if he's God, that well, God, I want to follow him. And, and literally, the, the disciples, they return to him. They proclaim the message. Many of them are martyred. And uh, the Apostle Paul, who obviously comes to faith himself when Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus, uh, at the end of his third missionary journey, they think when he was in Corinth, he writes to the Christians in Rome. He says, I want to come. He goes via Jerusalem, but he wants to come to Rome because he knows that he's got to take the gospel right to the heart of the empire. And so he writes them, and it's in the book of Romans. He's never visited this church. He writes it. Uh, we believe it's about A.D. 55, A.D. 56. It's about 25, 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. The gospel has spread so fast it's got to Rome. And he writes them. And this is, while well, he writes his, his gospel, he introduces himself. In fact, he comes like a messenger with good news. This is my gospel. And in Romans 10, let me just pick it up there. He says this. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, that's the gospel there. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, When we baptize people here, we have a pool underneath here, we put hopefully sort of warmish water in. When people go down, that's what we say. We say the promise of Scripture is this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you so confess and believe? Yes, I do. Jesus is Lord. Dunk. Bang. In. Water. Out. Water. Yeah? That's what I do. So these are the verses that we use when it comes to baptism. Four. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified, made right with God. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me just say that again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want to tell you today, you can have peace with God. You can have your sins washed away. You can have the Holy Spirit in your life. You can actually... Um, Be certain of eternal life. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. I tell you, I've got some lovely feet today. I put on my brand new shoes for you, okay? So I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm proclaiming to you there is a way to be reconciled with God. It's good news, friends. It's life changing news. You have to admit something. Firstly, you have to admit that you've fallen short of the almighty creator, holy God. Now, when I was 19, I I thought I was about here and God was a little bit better than me. I've realized as I got older, the gap is vast. It's far from the east to the west, yeah? 
And uh, that reveals my arrogant young heart. Uh, But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the gospel, the good news. You need to believe that God came, died uh, a perfect uh, death and sinless life to atone for all our sin, all the sins of the world, and believe that he was raised from the dead. And then you need to receive. You receive forgiveness and the Holy Spirit, the promise of eternal life. In a moment, I'm going to give one or two of you an opportunity to do that. It's your Easter day. It's your resurrection day. As you're here, you're thinking, no, I've been seeking. I know it's true. But can I just speak to one or two others of you very briefly, and then we will... uh, we will pray, is I just thought as I was preparing for this message, I thought, I, you know, I, I wonder if there are any Christians in the house today who've never been baptized in water. Yeah? You've never been obedient to baptism. I mean, I would think the vast majority of us have. Okay? But I do wonder if there are one or two of you that haven't. And uh, I wanna, can I challenge you? Can I, can I sort of say to you, why not? It is so crystal clear in the Bible that there is the first step of obedience. In fact, I told you earlier, I investigated this thing before I gave my life for it. Okay? So what I did is, when I, I became a Christian, I was sitting somewhere like here, some guy was preaching, I believed, I walked across to my pastor and I said, I want to be baptised. I didn't even say I want to be a Christian or I've become a Christian. I so had understood. I'd done the work up front. Okay, I want to be baptized. And uh, see what happens at baptism. You become beautiful feet. Do you know that? You become a carrier of the messenger, the message. You become someone that testifies to Jesus' saving grace. He might never be a preacher, <laughs> but you might at that moment testified. Possibly in word, if you want to give testimony in word, but definitely in deed. And at that point, you identify with Christ, which is what baptism symbolizes. It symbolizes dying to an old life. That's why you go in, down into like a grave. You go back, and it's like being buried in Christ. And as you come up, it represents new life and being raised in Christ. It's that way. In baptism, you identify with Jesus it symbolizes the washing away of your sin. Um, and it, it, in my experience, it really does. When people do that, they really are saying Jesus is Lord as well. So it becomes a lordship moment because it's like I'm going public here. I'm, I'm nailing my colors to the mast. I'm saying Jesus really is my savior and I'm committed to him. Now, people don't get baptized for a whole range of reasons. Sometimes they don't want to stand in front of a lot of people. I understand that. And you don't have to sort of speak. But you should get baptized. I've even heard people don't get baptized they don't like water. I have less sympathy with that, but that shows how uncaring I am. You know, I mean, come on. We're following Jesus Christ here. He's given his life. Look, maybe I should just... Are you happy if I just read the Bible then and we just do what the Bible says? Acts 22, verse 16 says this. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized, washing your sins away, calling on his name. Now, this is not one of the most difficult passages to teach yeah, or explain. 
It says, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. I think there are some of you here today that you're a Christian and you need to get baptized in water. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. So uh, two, one, maybe it's your first day. It's resurrection day in your life. You're going to become a Christian today. Two, some of you need to get baptized. And thirdly, on a day like this, I know because I'm a pastor of getting a bit gray and old now. There's a number of you here because you've come since Easter day. Yeah? Because something... You know, you know, God has done something in your life at some point. And uh, at a moment like this, you get drawn to church. Um, and I want to say you're very welcome. It's great you're here. Uh, but God maybe is not as central as maybe once he was. And uh, you're here and you kind of got a mixed feelings. You've enjoyed it, but you feel a bit like, oh. Yeah. Well, look, God's grace is available for you today as well. It really is. Because you needed grace before you were saved, and you need grace after you're saved. And so you can come back to Him today. So you can recommit your life. You can actually make Easter Day very relevant. You can say, actually, no, this is true. Because sometimes you're drawn here because you've got this nagging doubt that it's true, that it's true. In fact, you know it's true because you've experienced God for yourself. It's just the, the kind of pressures of life, or you've been sinned against, or something has happened that has distracted you and taken you off course, but you've been drawn back here. And it's a day when you can recommit your life to Christ and you can put Him center again. Okay? How beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. Okay, we're going to respond together now. So I'm going to ask the band to come up and uh, we're going to sing a song. It's a great song. It's a response song. It's an opportunity for you to respond to God. And um, after we've sung that song, then I'm just going to lead us into a time of response. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity today... Uh, right here, right now, to um, put your faith in Jesus for the first time. I'm also going to give an opportunity for any Christians here that they know they need to become like a carrier of the message in testimony and word and deed and be baptized, be obedient to that uh, command of scripture. And also I'm going to give an opportunity for anyone that wants to just recommit their life to Christ. That's that's where we're going. Let us uh, pray together. Let's just uh, close our eyes. And as I said, I'm going to give you an opportunity today to respond to God. Not responding to me. Look, uh, God would. God loves you. God knows every aspect of your life, every challenge, every blessing. And uh, God just loves people. So approach a, a loving father. And I'm going to give an opportunity for you to become a Christian for the first time or to recommit your life to Christ or to say and testify, I need to get baptized. I need to really put Jesus central and honor uh, him through the act of baptism. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray. I'm going to suggest we all pray. I'm going to pray a line and then ask you to repeat afterwards. And um, particularly if you never put your publicly put your faith in Jesus why don't you make it your moment and your day so let's uh, let's all close our eyes let's pray together so Father I come to you Father I come to you Lord I come with my life Lord I come with my life all that's good and bad all that's good and bad 
And I recognize you to be God. I recognize you to be God. I leave my past life. I leave my past life. And I put my trust in Jesus. Put my trust in Jesus. Crucified and risen. I take my life now, Lord. I choose to follow you. Ask this in Jesus' name. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.